Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cellular Healing TV. I'm Ashley Smith, and today we are changing things up a bit. Today is extra special. We are talking to the most renowned expert on therapeutic fasting and cellular healing that we know. It's Dr. Pampa himself. Today's episode will be dedicated to all things fasting, and Dr. Pampa's new book, Beyond Fasting, is finally released after much anticipation. Uh, yes. <laughs> so we wanted him to share all about why he chose to write a book about fasting, his years-long process of researching and developing his strategies, and we will get to some viewer questions that you submitted to us prior to this recording, and we'll... Uh, save those for the end. So I can't wait to get started. Fasting is a topic that Dr. Pompa quite literally wrote the book on. So I'm blessed to introduce Dr. Dan Pompa. Hi, Dr. Pompa. Hey, we haven't done an interview like this in a while. You were so formal. I love it, actually. I know. I know. I had to bring you on like we do all of our guests. (laughs) Only deserving. Yeah, so before we really get into it, I just, like, just moments ago, we received a testimony from somebody who went through your seven-week program that's in the book, and she was so excited, and this testimony is just amazing, so I just wanted to read just a little part of it, Um, but she suffered from chronic fatigue, she had extreme exhaustion, loss of voice, migraines, low immune system, and weight loss resistance. And she just, due to using some of the strategies in your book, she is, has completely transformed her health and turned it around. And it really has not even been all that long. She just went through your book and yeah. it's just- Yeah, I, I'll, I'll post that on my Facebook, actually. It was, my, it was uh, put on my wife's Facebook, you know, and uh, it was just this morning, literally, the, the woman was, tried everything. I mean, when you read this, it's long, right? And so, but when you read it, your heart will break for her because- she had a lot going on beyond even weight loss resistance. And uh, she followed the book exactly uh, beyond fasting. And um, that's what did it for her. And she, anyway, so she was kind enough to write that whole thing. You know, oddly enough too, is I I literally just got this testimony right before I got on, I clicked on it because I was looking for a different email. And this was a gal and I'll just paraphrase it as well. But she said she just wanted to, uh, follow up. She just got new blood work from her arthritis doctor. She's five months off Humira. She had an autoimmune condition, almost a full year now with no inflammation and excellent labs. Thank you so much for your help and your information. Anyway, that that both of those, right? You know, so that's amazing. And the book has really only been out for a few weeks, and you know, it's already the testimonies are already starting to pour in. So, I mean, you've been coaching people through fasting for a really long time, and you have your Facebook group, Fasting for a Purpose, that's almost thirty thousand strong at this point mm-hmm. and growing. So that's amazing. And you just you decided to kind of put it all into a book. So let's backtrack just a little bit because we do have a lot of new viewers and listeners. And even though people who've been around for a long time might need a refresher, but how did you get into fasting? And you know, what what got you here? Yeah, you know, I was into fasting in the 1990s um, when it wasn't cool at all, actually. I, I always I joke and say me, it was me and some natural hygiene society people, right? And um, you know, that fasting is what we had in common. And I loved it. I went to seminars. I, I went to clinics that just focused on fasting. And I read all of a guy named Herbert Shelton's books. And, you know, it was funny because although I was very into fasting and that was the world at that time that was into it, 
they were very into just vegan diets and I wasn't. Um, so there was, there was definitely a separation. But the thing that I loved about fasting um, was just, I loved the innate intelligence of the human body. I, I, it was, that's what fascinated me, even drove me into chiropractic school. The body has a wisdom to heal. And I have all the respect for that. I even raised my kids with that philosophy. You know, if we can just remove the interference, the body knows what to do. Um, I got my life back that way. You know, and fasting harnesses that innate intelligence. When you're in a fasting state, the intelligence of the body just knows what to do. And all the magic starts to happen. So much science today, we've learned what that innate intelligence is doing. You know, back in the 90s when I was super into it, you know, we, we didn't know. We just knew that magic happened when we fasted. You know, today science has shed some lights, you know, on why fasting is such a miracle thing. And the, by the way, it's the oldest therapy known to man. Uh, I would still say, you know, the most powerful therapy and yet underutilized. And I'll say this as well, that I believe that we're genetically programmed to fast. And unfortunately, um, we're not. I mean, unless you get the flu where your body absolutely forces you to fast, you know, because it wants to recover, uh, we're not fasting. And, and it's a shame. And uh, in my last seminar that you were at, I cited studies you know, st stating that because we're not fasting, we are programmed to fast. That not only are we aging prematurely, um, but we are uh, not basically resetting our DNA. And this is leading to diseases. Um, today and I cited studies uh, that show that so fasting is something that's been you know all the way back then and by the way I, another story my wife was um, basically they were telling her she had some cervical uh, dysplasia which looked like cancer and she fasted for 11 days and that was way back when in the 90s too uh, so that was one of my first experiences as well to realize uh, as a matter of fact they said you'll be back unless you do this we didn't do that she fasted and the fact was, is we didn't go back. Uh, so yeah, that's a great point. You know, our innate intelligence really is obvious when we are sick with the flu, and we don't. We just naturally don't want to eat. It's really the only time humans are just simply not interested in eating. And animals too, pets. They just know when to stop eating. So I don't know why people don't make the connection that for long term diseases, you know, like the things that grow really, really slowly in your bodies, why it wouldn't do the same. So. Yeah. Yep. You know, fasting is simply not eating. And so you wrote a book that's over 300 pages. So what <laughs> is it about just not eating that can fill 300 pages of a book? Yeah, is well, you see what's on that plate, ice. You can eat ice. Um, <laughs> yes, one of the meals you'll enjoy. Well, you know, you know, you, here's the thing. You, you don't just run a marathon, right? Uh, meaning that if you did that, I guess you could. Some people could just run a marathon. However, your results would not be very good. However, if you train for the marathon, your results are spectacular. And I'm not recommending running a marathon, but it is a good analogy. Um, but so the book is really what we do and what I train my doctors to do. It's, it's part of my fasting and fasting strategies, my dietary strategies, which are all in the book. Um, all of that is part of what we do as a group of doctors, you know, to really help a lot of people. And we would not be able to fix and help the people we help without these fasting strategies. So that seven week program that's laid out there is what we do as a group of doctors to get the results that we need during a fast to really transform lives. 
you know? So again, it's one thing fasting, but you have to understand that fasting is a stress. And if you adapt to a stress like exercise, you get stronger, better. If you don't adapt to the stress, you actually can get weaker. So again, you want to work up to the fast to maximize the results of the fast and to make it easier. When you follow the program, it makes the fasting easier, but it, it ensures that you adapt to the fast and therefore you know, get the results that you probably have read so many you know, about, about fasting. But many people struggle because they're violating some very principles. So it also tells you what to expect during the fast, how to break the fast. I mean, so yes, but it does give you a whole seven week program on how to maximize those results. And you've seen people who have, they've never even thought of missing a meal before. And you've seen them go through this program and they say, wow, that wasn't bad. That actually was fairly easy. Cause I well, felt when you follow that program, it is mm -hmm. much easier. If you just fast, well, again, I, not only will it be harder, oh, but yeah. you're not going to get the results. Arguably you might get negative results. So the point is, is that, that that's why we wrote the book. And that's a good that, point. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. I, and I wrote the book because people need to know, I mean, this is what we've been doing for years and, you know, many, many years of studying fasting. And I, I finally put down all of my little tricks, you know, yeah. in, in the chapters. <laughs> yeah. So if it was simple enough, like if someone was just on a standard America diet and they were addicted to carbohydrates and sugar, if it were easy for them to just start fasting, you wouldn't need to, you know, write a book on it and train your doctors to coach their clients. You really have to kind of get to that. that yeah, you know, look, I, I mean, if, if we had perfect health and a perfect uh, normal environment and so many people weren't hormonally challenged, uh, you could just fast, right? I, you know, I mean, the American Indians, believe me, they, they could just fast. The tribe that I uh, talk about in the book that I met in Africa, they could just fast you know, because they were extremely fat adapted. They were, you know, able when they're not eating to immediately switch over to fat as a fuel source. But unfortunately, that's not the case for most people today. So, I mean, even if you are a really healthy person, you could just fast. If you follow that seven week program, you're still going to increase your results, you know? And there's all kinds of little things in there that, um, you know, everybody needs to hear. But most people need this to get the results. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about the seven weeks uh, so we can kind of just walk people through so they would know what to expect. So week one uh, is the week that, you know, people might, when they're afraid to start this whole program, week one is really just easing them in. And so what do you have them do in week one? Yeah. Okay. Week one, chapter one, you know, I mean, that, that's kind of how easy it is. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, look, we, we want to maximize the results of the fast and make it easy. So we you know, right away, day one, we get these amazing results of a fast. And I, in the book, I talk about the seven benefits. And one of which is called autophagy, where the body, when you're not eating, it will start eating because it needs nutrition. It needs energy. It will eat all of your bad cells. And then it stimulates a stem cell. And that stem cell will create a new cell. So literally, we renew ourselves during a time of fasting. I mean, that's one of the amazing benefits, as well as and I said, we're programmed to fast, as well as turn off bad genes, that stressors in life, toxins in life, emotional stressors, turn on bad genes. And now we have symptoms and conditions that we get diagnosed for that we don't like, but those genes were triggered. Fasting is one of the most powerful ways to turn them off. So again, we're programmed to fast to turn off bad genes. Oh, and it resets our gut. A lot of people are trying to fix your gut. 
by just throwing bacteria at it, probiotics. Mm -hmm. Not so simple. Uh, my doctors would all tell you the real way we fix the gut is by these fasting strategies you know, that I talk about in the book. All right, so you know, when we look at the benefits of fasting, and there's others we could get to later, but we want to become fat adapted to maximize this autophagy. So typically, most people wouldn't enter into the where the body starts eating the bad cells until later, day three, day four of a fast. But if you get become fat adapted going into the fast, you can start this autophagy process day one. So what does it mean to be fat adapted? This is all in chapter one, but what it means, you've heard a lot about ketosis in a ketotic diet. Now, once you get to chapter three and four, you'll learn that I'm not recommending you stay in this ketosis like many people are staying today. I talk about my diet variation strategies that, you know, that we implement as well. But the fact is, is that cells can only use two things for energy, sugar or fat. So when we become fat adapted, we're shifting the cell over to be very efficient at using fat. Matter of fact, 95% of the energy then comes from fat. So what happens when you're not eating? Someone who's stuck as a sugar burner, well, they either give you cravings that you can't resist because I need energy, I need sugar. So then you break the fast or the fast is so hard that you just can't emotionally handle it. Either one is bad. Or if it'll do one more thing, it'll break your muscle down into sugar. So one of the criticisms fasting, oh, you might lose muscle. Oh, not if you shift over to be fat adapted. So when you go into the fast fat adapted, when you stop eating, your body starts immediately using its fat. Now I'm very lean, so are you, but we still have about 50,000 stored calories of fat in our body that we could go you know, a month or more without eating and our body would burn that fat. So we want that. And when you become fat adapted, your body will go after the bad cells first on day one. So we don't wanna enter the fat stuck as a sugar burner because then you will go after muscle or you will end up with too many cravings and break your fat in a, in a fast and have all these emotional tangles in your brain. So step one, become fat adapted, get your cells using fat as energy, and you go into the fast with no cravings, autophagy, getting rid of your bad cells. So that's the point of chapter one. Wow, and you know, just briefly, getting becoming fat adapted, what does that mean exactly as far as what are people gonna be eating? Are they just kind of gonna start incorporating more healthy fats into their diet if they're not used to eating right. a lot you of know, fat? To, to become fat adapted, we first off, to get the cells to shift from a sugar burner to a fat burner, we want to lower the carbohydrates to a point, and we teach you how to do this in the book, to a point, to where it has to start going for the fat. And eventually it does. Now that may take two or three weeks, and we talk about that in the book, and even some strategies to make that happen faster. And even we tell you how to test so you know when you become fat adapted, right? There, there's some simple tests you can do, you know, so you know. All right, so we, once that fat adaptation happens, one of the first things is you go, oh my gosh, I can think clear and I have lasting energy. So you know, you kind of, even without a test, you kind of know when that process happens. But here's the best part. So and you helped contribute to, the, uh, to this and so did some others. We have all the recipes. We have all the foods to eat, foods not to eat. But yeah, you want to start bringing in, lower the carbohydrates and bringing in healthier fats into the diet. You know, and of course, we don't have time to go into that. That's why you need the book. But we have all the food lists and what to do and how to do that. 
Absolutely. And a lot of people can benefit, even people who are vegetarian or, you know, it's not a high protein approach in any way. It's not, it's not, you can actually do it on any diet really. So yeah, which is helpful. So if somebody spends, okay, so they spend a week, um, getting fat adapted. And like you said, sometimes you just know testing is great, but sometimes not even sometimes you just know when you're burning fat for fuel because you have this brain clarity. A lot of people say the number one thing they notice is their brain fog is gone. Mm -hmm. You just are so clear headed and you can focus and work long hours without eating. And that's an amazing perk. So once they get to that state, what happens in week two, chapter two? Yeah, week two, chapter two. (laughs) So I now again, I said it may take two to three weeks for someone to adapt, but we still step you along week by week. That's what's nice, right? Yeah, you know, you don't move week. on until you're ready. Yeah, yeah, right. You can yeah. do this in two weeks, but you know, really, each lesson you know can happen in a week, um, and that makes it really easy. Okay, so when we look at studies on anti-aging, it's very clear how that when I when I say age anti-aging, yes, age slower, but really, it's age without all of the diseases that we attribute to aging. I mean, heart disease, stroke, cancer, diabetes, I mean, all of it has become common in this country. I wouldn't say it's normal, but it has become common. And, uh, but it's not normal at all. That's the point. Um, however, we can avoid that. Uh, again, I visited a tribe that doesn't have these diseases. Well, they do a lot of these principles, and I, I learned a lot from them. But when we look at studies on living long, healthy, without disease, there's one thing, only really one thing that holds up, eat less. But when we look at and understand eating less, if you eat less, just cut calories long-term, your metabolism goes down. So it doesn't work long-term, it works short-term. But what I talk about in this chapter is eat less by eating less often. So one of the first things that we do is we just cut out all of your snacks and we talk about eating um, basically in a smaller window, yes, but we talk about just eating three meals a day. And then we start squeezing your eating window down a lot like these very healthy cultures and tribes do. Why are we doing this? Because again, we're looking at what we're doing in the fast. We're getting your cells used to burning fat when you're not eating. If you're eating all the time and you're eating five, six meals a day. And by the way, in the book, I cite that most people, if you ask how many times a day do you eat, they say, oh, three times. Well, actually, it's not true. They eat between eight and even 21 times a day. Meaning every time you put food in your mouth, it's a meal and you raise glucose and insulin, glucose and insulin. So you're always challenging your body, uh, utilizing its energy in this assimilation of food. It's not good. You want to live longer, eat less by eating less often. So we start squeezing your eating window down now. That means you're fasting. You're starting to get your body used to using its fat during a fast when you're not you know fasting and by the way we can almost jump to week three at this point because now we take it a step further and we squeeze your window down and now we just have you eating perhaps two meals a day and once we get you into this state of what we call intermittent fasting now we're extending your fasting time even more so what are we doing we're getting the cells stronger Basically, I call it, in the book, I call it metabolic mitochondrial fitness. The mitochondria is where you burn fat and make energy, not to confuse anybody. But what happens is, is when we squeeze in the window and force it to go longer without food and longer without food, 
what happens is it gets stronger and stronger. It gets more fit and more fit. So when we go into the fast, it's fit, it's ready, and it adapts to the stress, and you get the maximum result, and you get the maximum autophagy. Here's what I love to say this is that bad cells don't adapt. So by stressing it, by you know, basically bringing in this eating window, what's happening is we're gaining healthier mitochondria, healthier cells, preparing us for the fast. So intermittent fasting then is something we evolve you into. That means we can even get you fasting for 20 hours a day. Not every day, and we'll, we'll get there. But when we do this, we're preparing the cells. What, what constitutes an intermittent fast? What's the shortest amount of hours that you would consider an intermittent fast? You know, it, it, and again, I, it, it could be even be a 24-hour period where you just literally eat one meal. Right. And I give a lot of different strategies in that testimony you read. I, I, it's in my head because I just read it. My wife read it to me actually this morning. It was on her posted on her Facebook. But the woman was down to eating in a four hour window. She made a great point. She said it's not for everyone. And Dr. Pompa in his book, you know, basically give you a strategy on where to start. Now, she has her kids doing and her kids eating window is much wider. Right. But she she had such health benefits from it that she's you know, transitioned that into her family as well. But to her point, she didn't start with eating in a four-hour window. She started with one of my other strategies where you just kind of keep, you know, bringing the window in. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's something that you work up to, but it could be, and there's strategies in the book where you have certain days of the week where you literally fast for 23, 24 hours. And that's when you really start noticing that your body starts digging into those really fat stores that you haven't touched for years. I'm just going to kind of like take this to another point for a second, but a lot of women are probably listening who are questioning, can I do this? I have a thyroid condition or my hormones have been very erratic um, due to either perimenopause or menopause, or they have adrenal fatigue. Is this something that they can do if they're struggling yeah. a little bit? So now, now you go into the next, actually, it's funny you asked the question right here because you go into the next uh, chapters. And the, the next chapters, uh, especially chapter four, are dealing with that very topic. Many women listening, and men, uh, but probably more women, they go very low carb. And it kind of works for a little bit or it doesn't work at all, and they struggle. And then intermittent fasting, they hear all these amazing results, but for them, fasting doesn't work. So enters the next chapter. And in chapter four, we really, I dig very, very deep into this topic of diet variation, feast famine cycles. When we look at studies, and I cite them in the book, when we look at low fat diets, high fat diets, ketosis, I mean, all the different diets, there's one that shines superior. And it is basically varying the diet. So meaning we said, look, I'm in the camp of keto, paleo, uh, vegan, vegetarian. Everyone likes to basically camp in their diet, but the fact is, is varying the diet is where the magic is. There's reasons for that. One of which it creates, the body has to adapt. And again, if it adapts, it becomes stronger. Well, it adapts by something called hormone optimization. The reason why people struggle to lose weight or use fat as energy is because they're not hormonally optimized. So this strategy of diet variation and, and feast famine cycles, which I'll explain in a minute, is a strategy that breaks through that and gets you 
to adapt and hormonally optimize. And now that your hormones are better and your cells hear them better, you actually start using fat. So this is a breakthrough strategy that, again, I, we've done this for years. I've taught these principles for years. And really nobody else is actually teaching them. But the point is, is that even during the week, feast days for the women that you mentioned are actually as important as the fast days. So eventually, and, and in the book, I talk about my 511, where we have a day where you actually purposely eat more. You remind the body it's not in a starving mode, because if it thinks that, it'll start holding on to every bit of its fat, and then nothing works for you. So we have to remind it it's not starving by giving feast days. Sometimes a couple feast days a week works better for some people. But then we also throw in the fast days. So that's called feast famine. So in the studies that I mentioned, when they compared diets, when they did feast famine, and then the one study in particular, they went basically a, a famine day where they just ate maybe 500 calories. Then the next day they ate standard American diet. They didn't even eat a healthy diet. Fast day, famine day, fast day, famine day. It actually worked better than all the diets. I asked, I actually interviewed that scientist and I said, why? She said, because what happens is it forces the body to adapt. To the changes. So the bottom line is, is when we change diets, when we add feast and famine, what happens is, again, our DNA is set up for that. The body adapts via hormones. And that hormone optimization is why, I believe, is why it actually works best for weight loss and to become fat adaptive. So to your point, thyroid conditions, adrenal problems, hormone problems, you need more feast famine. That's the magic for you. So chapter four and five really just, you know, blow that wide open for you. That's great. So, um, so once you get through weeks four and five where you're really starting to flex that the eating windows and the feast famine cycles, week six is the very magical week of entering into a five day water fast, right? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we do that. And, you know, by the way, I'll, I'll say this too, in the book, uh, in, the, that last chapter um, that you mentioned is really a, a strategy also, ladies, for doing this strategy even monthly. And of course, I even talk about how to do the strategy seasonally, and, and that's there. But um, even five days of feasting a month right before your cycle actually is transformative for women who struggle in low-carb or fasting states. It changes hormonally their whole month. That's how good the strategy works. And that monthly strategy, actually, you did a great graph for the book because we talked about how to put in a partial fast where we just decrease calories for five days of the month. It's called a, a partial fast. And there's a whole section on the book on how to partial fast. So by the way, folks, you have a choice of what fast you do in the book. Um, I educate you on the different fasting strategies. So you don't just have to do a five-day water fast. You could actually do a five-day partial fast. And the partial fast is decreasing calories for a very limited time. But anyways, so five days a month partial, and then five days a month feasting, especially right before a woman's cycle, transforms hormones. And, and again, for all the reasons that I said, that it forces this adaptation. And, and, and by the way, ladies, if you notice that the week before your cycle, you typically have cravings. That's because you actually need higher glucose levels and insulin levels, actually, to make certain hormone transitions. So there's reasons for that. So we're giving into that uh, strategy um, in that chapter. But okay, yes, you're right. So now it brings us to the fast. 
Yes, so the fast, uh, yeah. So it is a little bit choose your own adventure. It's not just a water fast. Uh, some people even start with a partial fast and they, they think it was great, but like the next time maybe they wanna try a water fast. It's not always something and everyone wants to jump anew. But um, you did mention briefly a partial fast, just lowering your calories. There's a few different options. You can do your own with your own food or there's kits you can buy, the Fasting Mimicking Diet by Prolon. Yeah, um, Pro the Prolon's a, a one. And if you have more digestive issues, we teach you how, in the book, we teach you how to design your own partial fast so you can keep it to the foods that you know you do okay with, right? And then of course, we lay out the water fast uh, in its entirety on, on how to do that and evolve into that. Yeah. So, and then in that chapter now, we, we break it down on what you do ahead, you know, obviously what to do in preparing for the fast, but what happens each day, day one, day two, day three. And there's a reason for five days. Years, I've done five-day fast because typically we start seeing people just break through on day four. And we wanted them just to have one more day where they finally break through, where their body's just in that healing mode. Now, science has now shown that day four, we see this max autophagy happening where your body's getting rid of all those bad, nasty cells that are misbehaving, driving inflammation, making you feel not well. And then day five, something magical happens. You get the maximum rise of stem cells. And in the book, I talk about how to measure your blood level, ketones, and glucose levels in a ratio to find out when you actually hit what we call max autophagy. So it's kind of fun because you'll be able to see, I crossed into max autophagy, what we call this target range, one-to-one -one ratio uh, on day two or three, whatever it is, right? But you'll be able to know when that happens and it's pretty cool. But that's why we do a five-day fast because we know we hit this maximum autophagy and stem cell creation. Uh, and again, that's whether you're doing a partial fast or a pure water fast, you know, either one, you'll, you'll know when you enter that range. So if somebody's feeling amazing at the end of day five and they know they're in max autophagy and they are just flying, they're just, they're so clear headed that they feel amazing. Should they still end their fast at that, you know, at the end of day five? Well, look, you know, I'm a fan. And I, I discussed this as far as the, the benefit that we've learned of multiple five day fasts as opposed to the, the, the risk of not knowing when to stop a fast, right? Because there's signs like, you know, what's your tongue color? You know, does your hunger come back? Did you stop losing weight? Not, and I, I discussed more extended fasting beyond five days in the book. But I think people who have a lot more um, body weight can do that. But, you know, there are some other risks there. So, mm -hmm. you know, one of the recommendations is, you know, multiple five-day fast is really the magic, right? So whether it's doing a fast every other month, four a year, two a year, even one a year is, you know, transformative for people. But multiple fast is, I think, the safest option. Um, you know, and, and again, you always check with your doctor during fast. I, I cite that in the book. But the bottom line is certain extended fasts, even longer, can be, as you'll read in the book, very beneficial for some people. And there can be too much of a good thing with, with anything. You know, like even right. with the running analogy earlier, people can run way too much where they just run themselves literally into the ground. So you have Absolutely. to, yeah. So how, um, in between two extended fasts, how long did, would you say is optimal to wait a minimum? Um, are we talking five-day fast or are you? Yeah, a five-day fast. Yeah, okay. Well, you know, so, some people, we do a fast once a month for a period of time. And again, those are typically people who have the body stores to do that. 
if someone's, believe it or not, we use fasting as even a strategy on how to gain weight for people. Um, so if someone who's very frail, fasting, believe it or not, can be a strategy. And I, I talk about that in the book as well. But what happens is your body gets rid of the bad cells in the gut, which could be why you can't gain weight, and the bad muscle cells that aren't recovering. So I challenged um, one of my sons to do this because he wanted to gain muscle. And I won the bet because his body ate the bad muscle that wasn't recovering. I'm sure his assimilation and his gut got better. A month later, he had gained more weight than he lost during the fast and more weight than when he started because the body will start recovering. It will actually gain new cells. Remember, autophagy, the body gets rid of the bad cells, but it replaces the bad cells with new cells, muscle cells that now have the ability to recover faster. So now the, the body starts to gain muscle. I mean, even some bodybuilders now are utilizing intermittent fasting is a hormone optimization, again, a strategy to gain weight. So we don't think of fasting, we appreciate it for weight loss, of course, as, as your testimony there you read, but not weight gain. So you know, the, the, the point is, is that some people can do multiple fasts every month for a period of time and get a benefit. Some people, it's better to spread them out, give their body a time to replace those cells. Maybe they need two months between fasts, maybe three or four. Sometimes we'll do a partial fast, a water fast, next month, partial fast, next month, water fast. Sometimes we alternate. So again, it, it depends on the strategy, but you know, there's some ideas in the book as well. Yeah, and that's a testament to the innate intelligence. Again, your body does what it needs to do. If you need to gain weight or lose weight or maintain your weight and just approach maybe some cells in your body that are creating disease, your body just knows what to do, really. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. So that's great. So week seven uh, is my favorite week. I think it's a lot of people. So what happens after the... The fasting, so it's not we're not done. What happens then? I, I think I started that chapter with warning. Don't blow it now. Right. It's yeah. my favorite, but it's also a little, yeah, you have to be very careful. Yeah. Warning. So yeah. uh yeah, because the fact is is you are still in this. You just went through all this autophagy, getting rid of the bad. Now your body's in this renewal phase with all these new stem cells. The worst thing you could do is stress it. When it's it all of a sudden it hits all these this food in its stomach it can't digest it that stress could shut off that stem cell formation in healing we don't want that and right fast is as important as fasting itself uh, yes and I have watched so many people destroy it you know first of all your microbiome has changed which is a really good thing because one of the benefits of fasting is it resets your microbiome. Your acid, your HCL is low. So we don't, day one, just start eating meat back in the diet. It can't break it down right away. We wait a few days. And then we also don't want to just go right back to the same caloric uh, intake. Your body just doesn't have the enzymes ready yet. Your microbiome, every, all your bacteria are lower, good ones and bad ones. As a matter of fact, we utilize this for breaking the fast to inoculate with new bacteria and really change that dysbiosis that may be occurring. So we want foods that are re-inoculating to the bacteria, help basically your good guys come about and be stronger because all your bacteria are lower, all your enzymes are lower. So therefore we just can't throw a bunch of calories uh, at it as well. So we break it with a partial fast, which keeps the healing going even after the fast. So, you know, the, the breaking the fast, and again, we lay it out. This is what you do day one, day two, day three. I mean, everything's in there on how to break it. 
Yeah, there's a lot of strategies. Exactly. There's exactly how many calories to eat on day one, day two, day three. There's some great food lists and recipes. I mean, there's tons of beautiful recipes in a fasting book, which is pretty yeah, cool. which is which is awesome. Just don't read them while you're fasting. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and and just so you know, and for different body sizes, those recommendations are very different. So the book lays it out if you're 200 pounds versus 100 pounds. You know, the the how you break the fast calorically would be very different. Yeah, and you, you'd think it wouldn't be hard to um, stay within a small, you know, bit of food after fasting, but some people, once they start eating again, they just can't stop. So you really have to, a lot of people start fasting in the evening and then they end their fast in the evening so they can just eat a small meal and go to bed. Um, yeah. Yeah. If you eat too early in the day, you just want to keep eating all day. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it makes it a little bit harder. Yeah, so you know, put it this way: if you have a plan, yes. you'll be successful. If you don't have a plan to break your fast, you're it's not going to go well. It's so have a plan. The book helps you with that. Have yeah, a plan. a plan is great. And you know, because of your fa fasting for a purpose group, we see people all the time. You just did a group fast about like a month ago or so, mm -hmm. and um, people. I mean, it was tens of thousands of people did this fast with you, and everyone did so well. And then there's the few who went through the fast and they just broke it the wrong way. They just ate just way too much or they ate pizza or way too much meat and protein. And, uh, and what happens is your, your inflammation goes like this. And what happens then you start just killing your stem cells that you just created. So don't do it. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, that is great. I just love that everything is so, just so well packaged in this book. It's so easy to read. It's just mapped out. You can really kind of go week by week. Uh, one question we typically get is during the fast, can people still drink their bulletproof coffees? Can they still take all their supplements? Yeah, and then there's a, the most frequent asked questions are you know in the book, which that's one of them. Uh, yeah, look, during um, a, a water fast, the answer is absolutely not, right? So the only thing that I would say, and, and again, I mean, if you're on certain medications, you have to check with your doctor. You have to stay on the medications maybe, right? But here's the thing. You have to check with your doctor because you need way less of certain medications. So caution. Um, but yeah, we don't even like taking supplements during a fast to push the body. Now, there are a few. There are a few. Like certain electrolytes, um, you know, there's exceptions. Uh, if someone's releasing a lot of toxins because of the autophagy process, a uh, bind uh, is you know, could be a life changer and savior. <laughs> so it's cyto, we call it the fasting trio. Uh, and those three supplements um, are in there. But in a water fast, we want people just to water fast. And there's some electrolytes like taking in sea salt that's helpful. On a partial fast, you can take some supplements and get away with a little more because you're eating some food. We're not relying strictly on the intelligence like a water fast. That's why we don't want to push the body one way or another on a pure water fast. But I still recommend no caffeine. So you could do a decaf tea, you know, because again, caffeine would push you a little too much. Um, now, in the intermittent fasting state, I tell you how to know, like meaning that if you're going to fast 15 hours or 20 hours, you know, when we talked about that in the earlier chapters, uh, three, I tell how to know if your coffee is actually working for you. And there's a way to test for that. Uh, utilizing glucose levels. So you can check that out because your coffee may or may not work for you during intermittent fasting, um, but we definitely don't want it during an extended fast. Yeah, that's great to know. Everyone always wants to ask, can I still have my blank? And 
you know, if it's a water fast, it's only water and, you know, like a nice rich mineral salt as well is also can be important, but no, you know, people want like their apple cider vinegar and, you know, stuff like that. And typically, yeah, right. can I drink lemon water? Well, look, see, the problem is, is when you're doing just a water fast, we want to rely completely on the innate intelligence in your body. Lemon water. Now we're forcing a more acid gut. We don't want to do that. Right. So, you know, we don't want to push the body. We want it to do its thing. That's the beauty of a water fast. I think that's, you know, why water fasting to me is still the most powerful because we're relying completely on the innate intelligence. Partial fasting, still major benefits, right? And, but, you know, we still don't want to push the body too hard. Right. right. So. If it's stimulating your digestion, a lot of times if it's, if you're putting something like lemon water in your mouth, you're just, you're creating enzymes in your saliva and you're really right. turning on your digestion. So that's right. And in a water fast, that's not good. In a partial fast, you could do lemon water, not a big deal because you're already eating other foods. Right. You know? But again, if it's water, it's water. Right. And not to call you out, but there are purists like you who like, you don't even love brushing your teeth on a water fast, right? Because it's yeah, no, it's true. I, because again, uh, the flavor can stimulate digestive enzymes and then it stimulates the gut and that potentially could make you hungry. So yeah, I just, I like to just run with it completely. Yeah. It's just, yeah, exactly. And if somebody doesn't feel comfortable going the five days or they can't make it the five days, would you say just see if you can go even a day or two or three and they'll still get benefits from that? Yeah, exactly. I mean, go, you know, do, just do better next time. But again, the more fasting you do, the better it's like fitness you know the more workouts you do the better the more fit you become so the more fat adapted you become the more you practice these strategies the healthier cells become bad cells don't adapt right so you get new and more new cells so yeah if there's no no failure just uh do the best you can it really is like a muscle absolutely now who shouldn't fast would you say yeah i mean obviously pregnant women nursing women your mouth could dry up right so you know, th those definitely, I would say anorexics shouldn't fast, right? Because that there's a psychological thing with food going on there. You know, bulimias, bulimics, I would not fast. So yeah, so there's certain conditions. Um, and again, uh, you know, certain diabetics can in fact fast, but check with your doctor. You're going to need a lot less insulin. Okay. And then you also, uh, earlier in the conversation, mentioned children. Um, so what would you say about, I mean, children obviously are a little bit, they're a lot different, but they shouldn't be eating like all hours of the day and night and snacking every three minutes. But what yeah, would you say? That's a U.S. thing, a United yeah. States thing, right? It's, Absolutely. You know, we think in this country that children need snacks every oh two God. hours uh, yeah, through school. Snack time, this time, that's snack time. Ridiculous. Because here's the fact is that the teachers and the parents would make the argument. Yeah, but the moment I give Johnny the snack, he gets, you know, he gets with it again. and His behavior gets better. Well, of course, you've trained the dogs, right, to you know, okay, I need the food, right? It's like, so the, the fact is, is they're, they're, they've already become sugar burners. So they need sugar, they need sugar, so they need snacks. Kids should, in fact, could, you know, easily be fat burners. When they're not eating, they should be burning their own fat, right? But now we've trained their cells to only want sugar, sugar, sugar. So the fact is, is kids can and should go longer periods without food, right? So again, they don't have to, you know, go as long as an adult, but in they're growing. I mean, no, no, no doubt they should in fact eat more, but you want to do it in at least three meals. And some kids even do it in two meals instinctively. They get up, they're not hungry. They eat a big lunch, a big dinner, no problem. They'll end up at the same amount of calories at the end of the day. 
than the kid who ate four meals, the child who eats two meals. You know, th that's a fact, and they'll end up with the same amount of protein. But the child who ate two meals had more time in autophagy, fasting, getting rid of bad cells, right? So that's the point. When I saw the tribe in Africa, the kids were doing the same thing the parents were. You know, they ate one longer meal a day in three or four hours. Yeah. They didn't run around eating all day. That just didn't happen. Right. Yeah. I mean, kids also have that innate intelligence as well, where like a lot of them, they don't wake up hungry. They don't really want a big they breakfast. And we force it upon them. It's just, right. you know, uh, just our culture is like, you have to eat the minute you wake up and eat all day. So they are strategies that can help the entire family, which. Um, yeah. And you know, you can choose your eating window. And, you know, I, I talk about that, you know, in the chapter on intermittent fasting, you know, it, it's, you can shift it for what works for your schedule, or your family schedule. So, you know, you don't have, you're not boxed into one eating window, choose your window. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this has been a great conversation. I think we got through everybody's questions, which is great. And um, thank you so much for doing this. We're really excited about this book. It has been a long time coming. You can all um, order it at beyondfastingbook.com and I'll put some links um, in the show notes as well. So yeah, we're excited. we're excited to see what you come up with next too. I know you have some other ideas floating around your head. So that'll be great. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks again. Uh, see you later, everyone. All right. Thanks, Ashley. Uh -huh. Okay. Bye. Well, that's it for this week. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. We'll be back next week and every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern. We truly appreciate your support. You can always find us at cellularhealing.tv. And please remember to spread the love by liking, subscribing, giving an iTunes review, or sharing the show with anyone who may benefit from the information heard here. And as always, thanks for listening.